Grant us, O Lord, we pray that the course of our world may be directed by your peaceful rule. Amen. That your church may rejoice untroubled in her devotion through our Lord Jesus Christ, who is King and Ruler, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Terry, I'm on duty. What about you? I'm on duty, Jess. And boy, this weekend's been a doozy because of all the things that have gone on in the Ukraine with Russia's invasion and what is actually going on. We're going to talk about how complicated this thing is. It's oh, not God. simple. Uh, but uh, I'm glad to be here. And <clears throat> we're also going to say, uh, what the, what, let's look into Putin's life. Uh, Jesse, we were talking before the show about, you know, was he married? Does he have a family? Oh, he's divorced. He's dead. In other words, what's his, he was a KGB agent. I mean, what's all, what's going on here? Also, Pat Buchanan has an article, whose side is God on in this war? Uh, And then, Jesse, you and I always love to give the solutions, and it's not a political solution. It's our spirituality. It's Our Lady of Fatima's peace plan from heaven. As she always said, and I said it Friday, that war is a punishment for sin. And uh, I just uh, think that today's show will show problem and solutions similar to what we always do here at the Terry and Jesse show. As a matter of fact, for all of Virgin Most Powerful, the answer is always the same. It's Jesus Christ. Just um, before we get into the good news, which is the a soul, soul uh, we call it the gospel, we call it soul food, uh, I just want to re- recommend something that I have to say my hat is off to the people in Arizona. I know I was born in Arizona, but it sure makes me want to go back when I hear good news stories like the Arizona Senate is uh, votes to ban transgender surgeries for kids amid the international reckoning. So that state has, has joined other states to say, you know, common sense says you, you don't abuse kids by changing their sex organs. This is common sense, but it ain't that common. So my hat goes off to the folks in Arizona. Yeah, Terry, it's still a MAGA state. They still want to make America great. They, uh, they know that this, is a, that this, this state uh, was one of the states that was in question. Yeah. There, there's no doubt that this state went for Trump, and, uh, and, and uh, there's a lot of good people running for office right now, and they're going to make sure what happened in the last election never happens again. Thanks be to God. Well, well let's get some soul food in our souls, yes? Absolutely, Terry. Uh, today's Holy Gospel. Yep, it's a great one. Yep. Ooh-hoo. It is the Gospel of St. Mark, um, chapter, chapter 10. 10, verses 17 to 27. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. As Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up, knelt down before him, and asked him. Now again, see, that's the, that's the proper position when you're in the immediate presence of Jesus Christ. That's the fitting position, knelt down before him. He said, ask him, good teacher. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus answered, why do you call me good? Now, some commentaries tell us, some of the saints tell us that this person may have been saying good teacher in a condescending way. In other words, uh, didn't really mean it, just kind of put that out there in a condescending way. Mm -hmm. It is very possible because the way our Lord responds to him, he says, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. Now, again, Jesus Christ is God incarnate, but he's still trying to conceal his divinity at this point because he's not. uh, His mission was not to come and announce his divinity. It was that, that was called the messianic secret. That's why when he used to perform a miracle, he would always say, don't tell anyone. Right. 
And so th- this is part of why he's saying, uh, why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. It's this, called, this is called the messianic secret in theology. He said, you know the commandments, you shall not kill, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not defraud, honor your father and your mother. He replied and said to him, teacher, all of these I have observed from my youth. Jesus looking at him, loved him and said to him, you are lacking one thing. Go sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At that statement, his face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. We call this in Catholicism self-detachment. At the end of our earthly life, by the time we die, in, in order for us to enter into the highest stage of union with God, which is the unitive stage, stage three, of the interior life, we must enter totally into a life of self-detachment where you're not even concerned about taking your underwear with you. I mean, it's that radical of a departure. You're saying, Jesus, I want you and you alone, and I want to shed everything behind. This is what we're looking at here. Uh, it goes on to say, Jesus, look around and, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Why is that? Because they're, they're attached to their money. They're attached to their possessions, to their property. The disciples were amazed at his words. So Jesus again said to them in reply, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for one who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, it's impossible for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle it's almost, it's almost impossible for a rich person to get to heaven. That's the implication here. But there are many wealthy people uh, in, uh, in, in church history that have done great things with their money. Why? Because although they were rich and well, like, say, like Emperor Constantine, he shed all his money before he died. He practiced self-detachment and gave everything to the kingdom, every last cent that he had. Then it ends by saying, They were exceedingly astonished and said amongst themselves, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For men it is impossible. In other words, Pelagianism. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. It's called the heresy of Pelagianism. It's impossible to save yourself. But our Lord says, But not for God. All things are possible for God. So how is it that God saves us? Grace. Sanctifying grace. Terry? Well said. The only thing I would mention, Jess, that I wouldn't agree with the scripture scholars that said he wasn't genuine, because when you kneel down before someone, that's an act of humility. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. So there's a, I don't there's, you know. I'm just yeah, giving my take on it. Absolutely. Okay, let's bring the smartest guy into the room. Full <laughs> sheen ahead. This is on war, appropriately on the topic of war, since we've got Russia and Ukraine. Bishop Sheen says war is not necessary. But it does become an inseparable ailment of any world that abandons the supremacy of the spirit. In any era of history where politics is the major interest, war is the major consequence. Boy, that's well said. Last little paragraph, he says, it used to be that wars were hard to wage, that peace came naturally with victory. Today, the situation is reversed. The powers of destruction are greater than the powers of construction in the modern world. 
Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. Hey, full Sheen ahead, Bishop Sheen. It seems like every time I pull a quote from you, it acts, you act like, I mean, it feels like Sheen is alive with us today, Jess. Yeah, he is. He spoke a, a lot about things that are very relevant. He spoke a lot about communism. Yeah, he did. It's here. He spoke a lot about the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. He may be here. Yep. Uh, he spoke a lot, a, a lot Ooh. about even corruption in the clergy, Terry. Absolutely, he did. Uh, so, I mean, we're, we're dealing with that here. Yep. He, Fulton Sheen was a man beyond his time, and what he said, his his lectures on YouTube and his books oh are God. still as relevant today as they were when he spoke them. That's probably one of the reasons why he hasn't been uh, raised to the altars of sanctity by uh by the church is because i think he what he said yeah indicts many people in the church today yeah just our good friends over at the catholic men's fellowship we've spoken at many conferences <clears throat> they're having another one on uh march 12th at good men yeah good st men. john vienni's parish where you and yep. i spoke at and i just want people to know they can uh go to catholicmen.org to register for the conference uh, we're going to have a booth at the conference promoting Virgin Most Powerful. That's the 12th of March, 2022. Uh, and I think everybody will enjoy that conference. They usually put on a good show. They always do. Hey, Jess, one more quick note. Um, we have the women's, we have, no, we have, we have a, a marriage seminar coming up on the 7th of May. I enjoy, I encourage people, especially marriages are that have issues going on right now. How do we solve them? Well, we're going to be using the Bible. Imagine that. Yeah, we're going to be using Fulton Sheen's book, Three to Get Married, the Catechism, and um, Cardinal Seurat's latest book, Couples Awaken Your Love. That's going to be taking place on the 7th. It's an all-day seminar, and you're welcome to come by going to vmpr.org or calling us at 877-526-2151. We're going to be talking about, when we come back from the break, about what's going on in Russia and Ukraine and the war that's taking place right now. And how Our Lady really is uh, the solution to all of this. That's right. And uh, we'll get into that and much more. Jesse, yeah. uh, just a quick note. Um, I want to encourage people that keep asking me about the Spiritual Warfare Conference. What are people going to get if they get those recordings, those who didn't come to the conference? Aren't they going to get valuable information in fighting the devil? Spiritual warfare is something that everybody's involved in, no matter no, whether you realize it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so you're going to get tools that are very ancient as dr dan schneider and kyle say the devil is an ancient enemy and you have to use ancient tools to fight him there you go not modernist tools not pentecostal tools (laughs) not tools that came from the 60s and these movements in the church no you have to use old tools to fight the devil that's what you're going to learn in the spiritual warfare conference lectures that uh yeah, we're talking about. You can yeah, get them at vmpr.org. Register those and you'll enjoy them or call 877-526-2151. We come back, let's talk about Mr. Putin and uh, his spiritual destiny. And that's going to be a good, good part of it. We'll be right back. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888 888- Five two six two one five one. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Let's admit one thing that a lot of us right now we're like jurors, yeah, sitting in the jury box, 
listening to information, listening to evidence, trying to piece things together. And nobody has a real handle on this, except for the last segment. We will have a real handle. Oh, on yeah. This. And the last the last segment is is uh, we've got to go back to basics. We've got to go back to the Holy Rosary, but that'll be for the last segment. <clears throat> As for now, I want to just say that uh, Putin's an enigma to a yes. lot of us. Yep, okay? me too. Calls himself a Russian Orthodox Christian. He says a lot of good things. He actually has done a lot of good things recently, in recent years. But again, uh, we know that war is hell, to quote one of the famous generals, yeah. uh, one of our famous war generals. War is hell. There's an article written by Giles Frazier, and he shows us another side of Putin that I never thought about. Nope, I didn't either. Uh, it, it's called The Religious President Wants to Rebuild Christendom, Putin's Spiritual Destiny. So he says that, uh, th- th- the article says, threatened by an uprising of his treacherous generals, the Christian emperor about a thousand years ago, Basil II, based in the glorious city of Byzantium, reached out to his enemies, the pagans over in the land of the Rus. A Christian emperor Basil II was a clever dealmaker. If Vladimir of the Rus would help him put down the revolt, he would give him the hand of his sister in marriage. What a deal. <laughs> I'm sorry. This, this was a status changer for Vladimir. Exactly. The marriage of a pagan to an imperial princess was unprecedented. But first, Vladimir would have to convert to Christianity. Here's my comment. Yeah. President Vladimir Putin is also a Christian. So this, uh, this uh, journalist is saying, does he see himself like Vladimir the Rus a thousand years ago? It's possible. Oh, yeah. Going back to the article. Returning to Kiev in triumph, Vladimir the Rus proceeded to summon the whole city to the banks of the river Dnieper for a mass baptism. The year is 988 A.D., This is the founding, the iconic act of Russian Orthodox Christianity. It was from here that Christianity was spread out and merged with the Russian love of the motherland to create a powerful brew of nationalism and spirituality. And that's the way that's the way you could see Putin. Absolutely. That's the way he governs. Yep. He's a nationalist, but there's also a component of Christianity. Yep. So. In the mythology of 988 A.D., it was as if the whole of the Russian people had been baptized. So Vladimir, uh, the Rus, was declared a saint by the East. When the Byzantium Empire fell, the Russians saw themselves as its natural successor. They were a third Rome. So my my question is, does Putin see (coughs) modern Russia as the third Rome? The article says, yeah. Mm -hmm. Soviet communism tried to crush all of this but failed. And in the post-Soviet period, thousands of churches under Putin, my, I may add, have been built and rebuilt. Through, though the West thinks of Christianity as something enfeebled and declining, in the East it is thriving. In fact, back in 2019, uh, Russian patri- uh, patriarch Krill, the head of the Russian Orthodox Church, boasted that they were building three churches a day. Uh, I've read another article, Terry, where it says Russia is the fastest growing Christian nation in the world. And Jesse, I read the same thing. And in this article, it doesn't say it. But think about why did communism fall apart in Russia? 
because they didn't tie spirituality. They they just the opposite. They was God is dead, and I think they realized. And my take on it is that's the big mistake they made. They left God out of the picture. They were persecuting anybody who believed in the supernatural. That's part of the Russian soul. Go ahead, Jess. The articles, and that's what Putin doesn't want to return. The articles, both these articles say Putin does not want to return to Russian communism. No, because that, that didn't work. He saw it. Yeah, he, he wants, he wants that, 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 uh, that, that, uh, that nationalism and Christian spirituality, he wants to fuse those together, right. just like that, that first Vladimir of, of Rus did. So going back to the article, at the heart of this post-Soviet revival of Christianity is another Vladimir. Vladimir Putin. Mm-hmm. Many people don't appreciate the extent to which the invasion of Ukraine is a, here's interesting, is a spiritual quest for him. I never thought about that. I never theory. did either. The baptism of Rus is the founding event of the formation of the Russian religious psyche. The Russian Orthodox Church traces its origins back there to 988 AD. That's why Putin is not so much interested in a few Russian leaning, uh, you know, leaning districts to the east of Ukraine. His goal, terrifyingly enough, is Kiev, which is the capital of Ukraine itself. In other words, he wants to unite old mother Russia. Yeah, I see his point. Because he's a nationalist. Yes. He's not a globalist. No. He was born in Leningrad, a city that has reclaimed its original saint name, to a devout Christian mother and an atheist father. His mother baptized him in secret, baptized uh, Putin in secret. He still wears his baptismal Russian cross. And since he became president, Putin has cast himself as the true defender of Christians throughout the world, the leader of the Third Rome, if you will. (laughs) His relentless bombing, for example, of ISIS terrorists, for example, was cast as the defense of the historic homeland of Christianity and he will typically use faith as a way to knock knock the West like he did in a famous speech in 2013. Look what he says in this paragraph. Yeah. In a, in a famous speech that Putin gave, he calls out the West. That's us. He says, quote, He should. We see many of the Euro-Atlantic countries are actually rejecting their roots. They are. Including the Christian values that constitute the basis of Western civilization. Spot on. They, talking about Europe and the U.S., are denying moral principles and all traditional identities, national, cultural, and even sexual. They are implementing policies that equate large families with same-sex partners, partnerships, belief in God with belief in Satan. Close quote. Terry, that, that's a speech that, that was heard around the world. I remember it, and we were, we were all stunned. I'm like, what? Now, I'm not going to say Russia is pure. They still allow abortions up to the 13th week of gestation of a mama. But I have to admit, Jesse, pointing the finger at us as the West, you know, we, we've rejected Christianity. That's He's spot on with that. Yeah. The, the article finishes, Putin regards his spiritual destiny as the rebuilding of Christendom here in Moscow. I never thought about yeah, that church until I read it. I never, I, never I, I would just say, you know, you just hear the narrative, Putin bad, uh, Ukraine good. That's all you yeah, hear. Yeah. Putin bad, Ukraine good. That's all you hear. But now there's something deeper in the soul of this man. When the, uh, it says here, speaking of Vladimir's mass baptism, the first Vladimir, Vladimir the Rus in 988 AD, Putin, uh, Vladimir Putin explained his spiritual feat of adopting orthodoxy 
predetermine the overall basis of the culture, civilization, and human values that unites the peoples of Russia, Ukraine, and Belarus. He wants to do the same again, and to do this, he needs Kiev back. So, in my take, Vladimir Putin is a nationalist. Yes, he is. He's trying to imitate St. Vladimir the Rus in unifying his country with Ukraine and Belarus and, and making it once again what, he, what they call, you know, the motherland of Russia. Because he also sees that Europe, Ukraine being part of the European Union, They've gone woke, Terry. Yeah, they have. You know, they've they've uh, they, they they accept uh, all the all the social, cultural of death evils from the United States, and to me, it seems like if Putin doesn't want to enter into this woke European Union, uh, and he's trying to amass as much land as he can for Mother Russia because he's a nationalist, right. and he's trying to preserve. Russian Orthodox Christianity within its borders. You know, that's Je the way I see it. Yeah, and Jesse, what kind of makes this an enigma is here the same guy, Putin, is doing exercises with the most evil regime on the planet, uh, China. Okay? And uh, so why would he do that? Except maybe he thinks this can also encourage uh, the, you know, the West to die out. In other words, he'll, he'll, he'll put his arms with anybody, even even the Chinese. See, so that's why it gets complicated because it's yeah. not as simple as just A, B, and C. There's no. a lot of elements that I scratch my head and I go, wait a minute, this is the same guy who for two years since COVID came out, Jess, he hasn't come out to meet anybody. He has to have his food um, uh, eaten from someone else first to make sure the food is not contaminated with COVID. I mean, that just seems awful odd. So he's got some odd things going on in his life in two years of COVID, but I, you know, I'm, I'm not saying none of this is facts, but it's just that when you bring all the elements in, you're, you're scratching your head saying, well, which is he? Yeah. I, I'm just a juror. I'm still, I'm still taking information and I'm, I'm hearing the evidence yeah. and I still don't know. I don't either. Uh, I, I, I don't know what, what the verdict, what verdict I'm going to render. I, I do know this, that the spiritual choice made by, by St. Vladimir. Yeah. Uh, a thousand fact. years ago. Yeah. It's it still largely determines. Putin actually said that. Yes. That a thousand years ago, what Saint Vladimir did determines our affinity today. In the words of Oleg, the prophet of Kiev, uh, Putin said, "Let it be the mother of all Russian cities." So Putin sees Kiev as the new Rome. He does. And, and and into this religious intensity, we can add some angry church politics because back in 2019. The Ukrainian arm of the family of Orthodox this churches. This is interesting, Jesse. Yeah, they declared their independence from the Russian Orthodox Church. Right. So right there, you see the weakness of Orthodoxy and its constant divisions. That's one of the reasons that you need the unifying principle of the Bishop of Rome and the Catholic Church. Also, a lot more here, Jesse. The article says, such as the centrality of Ukraine in general and Kiev in particular, yes. to the imagination of the Russian Church. Again. For Putin, it's all about Ukraine. Yeah. It's, it's, to him, it's the imagined site of the mother church of the Rus. In other words, Putin wants Kiev just like it was back in 988 AD. And the Western secular imagination doesn't really get any of this. They just say Putin bad, Ukraine good. Yeah. Okay? But the West looks at Putin's speech the other evening, and it describes him as a madman, which is another way of saying 
we don't understand what's going on, so just call him a madman. And we show how little we understand by thinking that a bunch of sanctions is going to make a blind, a, a blind bit of difference. They won't. <clears throat> uh, Ukraine, uh, Putin said this, Ukraine is an inalienable part of our own history, culture, and spiritual space. Yep. Putin said that's what it's all about, spiritual space. And uh, again, that's, uh, that's, that's a phrase that for Putin, it has a thousand years of, of Russian religious history and significant. Here's my take. Go ahead. Putin sees Ukraine as part of, as part of his manifest destiny. And by the way, all countries do this. Manifest destiny is countries are always trying to expand their borders. I'll, I'll make a comment about that. The, I want to catch port. this on the other side. Yeah. This yeah. is important because yeah. the end of this article really does say a lot of, yeah. regarding how Europe's hypocrisy enables President Putin. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse show on Virgin Most Powerful. Stay with us for more on this because at the end we're going to show our ladies' peace plan from heaven to help what's going on in Russia and Ukraine. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. The Terry and Jesse Show. I'm just uh, want to want to let people know that manifest destiny is something that every country historically they've tried to exercise. Oh yeah. So what is manifest destiny? I remember this from. from School back in elementary school, I heard exactly. that word. Manifest destiny is every country always has the idea of expanding their borders, expansion. Our destiny is to take more and more, and because God wants it that way, so Putin's no different. Putin, Putin sees Ukraine because it was part of Russia, old Russia, once upon a time. So he sees Ukraine as part of his manifest destiny. He wants to rebuild Russia. Putin does. Mm -hmm. And Putin senses weakness uh, right now in, in Biden. So he figures the time to take over Ukraine is now. Uh, if, you, if you look, under Bush, Putin invaded Georgia. It's true. Under, Pu under Obama, Obama 12, yeah. Putin took over Crimea. That's true. Jack? Under, under Trump, he did nothing of the sort. And now under Biden, he's invading Ukraine. So when Putin smells weakness, uh, he goes on the offensive, Terry. And Jesse, that's where I was going to go. And, you know, we don't make any surprise about it. We, we, we did not vote for President Biden. Okay. But look after he, what happened in the Ukraine, excuse me, what happened in Afghanistan? The world's laughing at us. So this is the perfect time for them to make a move if they're going to make a move when they see weakness. I guarantee it, Jesse. Guarantee it. If Trump was going to take his next four years, this would not have happened. That's my take. <laughs> no, but it's, 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 look, look what happened the previous four years. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so whose, side, whose side is God on? Right, Pat, Pat Buchanan... One of the great thinkers in the conservative movement and a practicing Catholic, uh, Pat Buchanan, before you say Russia bad, USA good, listen to a non-establishment guy. Yeah, he is, definitely. I'll, is. I'll tell you why I like Pat Buchanan, because he doesn't sing for the, from the same hymn sheet as other conservatives. Nope. He's a faithful, practicing, daily communicant. Yeah, he likes the Latin Mass too, brother. Yeah, and he's uh, he, yeah he's a TLM guy, he and, and he and he's like an umpire. 
<laughs> he calls it as, as, he, as he sees it. Yep. Not, not, not as the party says. He calls it as he sees it. In right. fact, I've always liked Pat Buchanan because it was his lectures and his debates on CNN 30 to 35 years ago that caused me to abandon the party <laughs> of the donkey that. and register <sighs> into the party of the elephant. That's so interesting. He, he says... In his Kremlin defense of Russia's annexation of Crimea, Vladimir Putin, even before he began listing the battles where Russian blood had been shed on Crimean soil, spoke of an older, deeper bond. Crimea, said Putin, is the location of ancient Kersonis, where, where Prince Vladimir was baptized. His spiritual feat of adopting orthodoxy predetermined the overall basis of the culture civilization and human values that unite the peoples of Ukra of Russia, Ukraine and Belarus. Russia is a country uh, is a is a Christian country, Putin says. Now here's a speech that he gave last December. The former KGB chief spoke of Russia as standing against a decadent west. He said this <laughs> quote, "Many Euro-Atlantic countries have moved away from their roots, including Christian values." Policies are being pursued that place on the same level a multi-family and same-sex partnership, a faith in God, and a belief in Satan. This is the path to degradation. Close quote. Statement is very true. There's nothing I would argue with that. That is a yeah. fa fa that is so true. Unfortunately, I might add. I mean, let's be honest, guys. Have you heard any Western leader <laughs> talk talk like that lately? Uh, probably the only one that comes close. Uh, can, I, can I tell you, President Trump? Yeah. Sorry, no. Jesse. Yeah. That's a fact. I've listened to Trump speak about the unborn, and it sounded like the Archbishop of Los Angeles should have been speaking. I'm just being honest. Go ahead. So, uh, uh, indicting the Bolsheviks who gave away Crimea to Ukraine, to Ukraine, Putin declared, may God judge them. So what's going on here, Pat Buchanan writes. He says, with Marxism, Leninism, a dead faith, yeah. Putin is saying... The new ideological struggle is between a debauched West yeah. led by the United States and a traditionalist world Russia would a world Russia would be proud to lead. In the new war of beliefs, Putin is saying it is Russia that's on God's side. The West is Gomorrah. And that's what Putin's saying. Mm -hmm. Westernly, and, 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 and you really can't disagree entirely with that statement. Well, there's a lot of truth in what he's saying. Uh, uh, yes, we've we've yeah. compromised in the West. Yeah. Everybody knows that. Yeah, no, I'm not saying that he's a saint. We're not no. saying that the man's a no. saint, okay? He's got concupiscence like everybody yep. else, but there's some things that he does get right. Western leaders who compare Putin's annexation of Crimea to Hitler's, to Hitler's anklus with Austria, Austria, who dismiss him as a KGB thug, and call him the alleged thief, liar, and murderer who rules Russia, as the Wall Street Journal's Holman Jenkins did, believe Putin's claim to stand on higher moral ground is beyond blasphemous. But Vladimir Putin knows exactly what he's doing, and his new claim has a venerable lineage. The ex-communist Whitaker Chambers, who exposed Alger Hiss as a Soviet spy, was at the time of his death in 1964 writing a book on, quote, the third Rome, close quote. So what's the first Rome? The first Rome was the holy city and the seat of Christianity that fell to Odysseus and his barbarians in 476 AD. The second Rome was Constantinople, Byzantium, today's Istanbul, 
which fell to the Muslim Turks in 1453 AD. The successor to Byzantium, the third Rome, the last Rome to the old believers, is was is Moscow. Yeah, that's Byzantine, but yeah. Go ahead, Jess. So so Putin is entering a claim that Moscow is the godly city of today and the command post of the counter reformation against the new paganism. Isn't that a, a twist? I never thought about I that. never even yeah. it didn't cross my yeah. mind. So Putin yeah. is plugging in to some of the modern world's most powerful currents. Not only in his defiance of what much of the world sees as America's arrogance drive for global hegemony, in other words, which means leadership or dominance, not only in his tribal defense of lost Russians left behind when the USSR disintegrated, but Putin's also tapping into the worldwide revulsion of and resistance to the sewage of a hedonistic, secular, and social revolution coming out of the West. (laughs) In the culture war for the future of mankind, Putin is planting Russia's flag firmly on the side of traditional Christianity. His recent speeches carry echoes of John Paul II, whose Evangelium Vitae in 1995 excoriated the West for its embrace of a culture of death. So, what did Pope John Paul II mean by moral crimes? The West's Capitulation to a sexual revolution of easy divorce, rampant promiscuity, pornography, homosexuality, feminism, abortion, same-sex marriage, euthanasia, assisted suicide, the displacement of Christian values by Hollywood values. Author Masha Gessen, who has written a book on Putin, says of his last two years, quote, Russia is remaking itself as the leader of the anti-Western world. Close quote. But the war to be waged with the West is not with rockets. It is cultural, social, moral, where Russia's role, in Putin's words, is to prevent movement backward and downward into chaotic darkness and a return to a primitive state. Would that be the chaotic darkness and primitive state of mankind before Jesus Christ the light came into the world? So, Pat Buchanan, he says, he was startled to read in the January-February newsletter for the Social Conservative World Council of Families in Rockford, Illinois, that of the 10 best trends in the world in 2013, number one was, quote, Russia emerges as the pro-family leader, close quote. It's, it's crazy what's going on. Crazy. And in, and in 2013, the Kremlin imposed a ban on homosexual propaganda, a ban on abortion advertising, a ban on abortions after 12 weeks, and a ban on sacrilegious insults to religious believers. So... Uh, Ellen Carlson from WCF, he says, while the other superpowers march to a pagan worldview, and that's true, Russia is defending the Judeo-Christian values. During the Soviet era, Western communists flocked to Moscow, and this year, the World Congress of Families, the 7th, will be held in Moscow from September 10th to the 12th. So the question is, by Pat Buchanan asks, will Vladimir Putin give the keynote in the new ideological Cold War? Whose side is God on? You see how confusing this can be, Jesse? Oh, man. Are you kidding? My mind is going, okay, time out. Wait a minute, wait wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, time out. And again, we're going to come up when we come back from the break, Our Lady of Fatima's message, the peace plan from heaven, 
this is the solution. I mean, we talk about politics. We talk about all this now. Really, what the bottom line comes to is how are we going to, what can we do as individuals to help this peace plan, how to stop war? And we're going to come down to, really, the Fatima message from heaven, from Our Lady, which was given to children back in 1917. That's really the solution. All this just, man, it's, it boggles my mind. I feel like I, I got a Charlie horse up yeah. in the top of my head. Yeah, because war is not the solution. No. Uh, Our Lady of Fatima says that war is a punishment for our sins. That's it. Now, I, I will say this. Tell me. In the Old Testament, there were some just wars. Oh, yeah. Where, where basically uh, God brought a lot of good out of a war. It was called harem warfare in the Old Testament. And in a lot of these wars, you would actually see the Lord God saying to the Israelites, do this and do that in terms of their enemies. Right. And so um, we're now living in, in, the, in the time of the New Testament, so we're not under Old Testament harem warfare. Uh, but, but again, God can take something evil, even in a war, and bring something good out of it. Absolutely. You know, Jesse, the statistics, out of 6,000 years of recorded history, there's been more than 14,400 wars. What Our Lady is promising is total peace, as prophesied in the book of Isaiah. We're going to talk about that much more when you come back to the Terry and Jesse show. That's why we could say we're too blessed to be stressed and we're too anointed to be disappointed because if hope was money, we'd be billionaires. We know our hope is in Jesus. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-526. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. I know one thing that politics is never the the ultimate solution. (laughs) The solution is is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And uh, the number one promoter of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the Blessed Virgin Mary. Exactly, Jesse. There there, there is no greater spokesperson. They don't even come close. No greater (laughs) prophet uh, of the gospel of Jesus Christ than the Blessed Virgin Mary. And in 1917, the Blessed Virgin Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ, and the mother of us all, by the way, she appeared to three shepherd children from the village of Fatima, Portugal, six times between May 13th and October 13th. She'd been sent by God with a very special message for every man, woman, and child on earth. The Heavenly Lady explained to the children that war is a punishment for sin and warned that if men did not amend their lives, then God would further punish the world for its disobedience to His will by means of war, famine, and persecution. Check, check, check. We All three are happening right now in the world. And the likes of which had never been seen before on the face of the earth. But Our Lady's message is not without hope. On the contrary, her message is full of hope. In fact, it's our only hope, for she promised that heaven would grant peace to the entire world if her specific request for prayer, penance, and consecration were obeyed. Yep. The magnitude of the promise of peace by Our Lady of Fatima is enormous. In fact, (laughs) in 6,000 years of recorded history, in the whole history of the human race, there have been more than, as Terry said, 14,400 wars. Amazing. What Our Lady's promising is total peace as prophesied in the book of Isaiah, 
chapter 2, verse 4. This amazing, as well as another amazing prophecy from the book of Micah, where it says, And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into spades. Nation shall not take sword against nation, neither, sh- neither shall they learn war any more. Micah chapter 4, verse Awesome. Three. Great quote, Jesse. Hey, Jess, we talked about uh, the rosary as our peace plan, and I want people to Google Our Lady of Fatima, but, you know, the 15 promises of Our Lady to Christians who recite the rosary, they're powerful, man. I, I mean, it's like, even we always say, if you don't pray your daily rosary, you're off the team. Well, because this is incredibly important for the, fa- for, for the world right now, for peace. Here's number one. Well, Jay, let's talk about real quick what is peace, then we'll go to oh, the Oh, let's take that one. Go ahead, Jess. Yeah, because yeah, that's, right. that's important. You're right. right. What is peace? Hit yeah. it. So what does the Fatima peace mean for you? Yeah, there this you is go. Im- this is important. Mm-hmm. Number one, no more will mothers and fathers or sisters and brothers die in senseless wars. How's that? Sign me up. In other words, wars will be a thing of the past. That's right. Number, number two, no more will religious groups persecute one another nor kill each other in the name of their gods. How do you like that? That's been going like ter- on. Yeah. yeah. How do you like terrorism to stop? That's yeah. another promise of the peace plan. Yep. Three, governments will not only cease to wage war on other nations, but will cease waging war on their own countries and people, including the unborn. Oh, how about, how about the complete cessation of abortion? Awesome. Number four, cities and towns will know peace and security, no longer troubled by crimes, drugs, and senseless violence. Uh, in the last year, crime has gone up 100% in many, many, many oh, blue cities, cities around the country. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How do you like uh, to live in a crime-free city one day? That's the fat of a police plan. <laughs> and five. <laughs> five. What planet no more- are you talking about? I, mean, I know, really, this is all <laughs> stuff that we all want. And we're going, well, but yeah, but, but you know what, Jesse? Let's just be honest. <laughs> we want to solve it with ourselves rather than taking a spirituality of a heavenly plan. And that's the promise. Continue. Here's the fifth promise of the peace plan from heaven. And for each of us, it means an end to hatred and division in our own families. Wow. Wow. No longer will families be torn apart by divorce, drugs, violence, or financial distress. The peace that only Jesus Christ can give will reign over the entire earth. Those five things I just mentioned to you. So how do we know that this peace not only can happen, but will but happen. We, yes. Yeah. Because we have the promise of Our Lady. Yep. The same lady who predicted the end of World War I and the beginning of World War II. The same lady who foretold the early deaths of the two younger seers, Francesco and Jacinta Marto. The same lady who predicted the, na- the name of the next Pope, Pius XI. The same lady who promised the world a time of peace if her message was obeyed. Yes. To confirm all that she had said and to prove that it was intended, the mother of God who was appearing, God performed what has become known as the miracle of the sun on October 13th, 1917. It was witnessed by over 70,000 people, including atheists, Protestants, and Muslims, who had gathered to see the miracle firsthand, as well as by numerous others from the surrounding towns and villages. Terry? Yes, it's that easy. This is the same woman who brought Jesus Christ to the entire world the first Christmas. Wow, she was the first tabernacle of Christ. Mm. This is why we have to listen to Our Lady's promises. And Jesse, this is where we get back to the 15 promises of Our Lady 
for Christians to recite the rosary. Number one, whoever shall faithfully serve me by the resuscitation of the rosary shall receive signal graces. Yes, number two. Number two, I promise my special protection mm-hmm. and the greatest graces to all who recite the rosary. Wow. What, what are the greatest graces? Oh, yeah. Sanctifying grace. The yeah, grace conversion. That, tell yeah, that. The, the, the grace that gets you to heaven. Amen. Num- number three, the rosary will be a powerful armor against hell. It will destroy vice, decrease sin, and defend uh, defeat heresies. Boy, do we need that today. Number four. Yeah, yeah, we need that because, Terry, There's we... a lot of heresy out there right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. It's just what it's... But H-World, we had to say it. Go ahead. No, number four the, of the 15 promises. Promise number four. Yeah. It will cause virtue and good works to flourish. Amen. It will obtain for souls the abundant mercy of God. Oh, boy. It will withdraw the hearts of men from the love of the world and its vanities and will lift them to the desire of eternal things. Oh, that souls would sanctify themselves by this means. Number five, the soul which recommends itself to me by the resuscitation of the rosary shall not perish. Sign me up. Go ahead, Jess. And what it means not perish is not not go to hell. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, because we're all going to die. It means not perish in hell. And and Jesse, see that promise? Yeah, people have asked me about that promise. Well, what about a guy who's evil and he just keeps praying the rosary? He won't be keep. He won't pray the rosary, Jess. Yeah, he won't. He'll stop. St. Louis de Montfort says. That's exactly. He says a person who's into a life of debauchery and sin. No, he'll either give up the rosary or give up the life of debauchery. Yeah, either one. But he can't do both. That's right, Jess. Yeah. Number six. Yep. Whoever shall recite the rosary devoutly, applying himself to the considerations of his sacred mysteries, shall never be conquered by misfortune. God will not chastise him in his justice. He shall not perish by an unprovided death. If he be just, he shall remain in the grace of God and become worthy of eternal life. Why wouldn't anybody want to do this? I'll tell you why. Because of sin in our lives. We have to deny ourselves. Number seven, whoever shall have a true devotion for the rosary shall not die without the sacraments of the church. Jesse, sign me up, man. That's that's the big one right there. (laughs) You got it, buddy. That's that's the one that... uh, that, Grand slam, baby. Yeah, that's the cash value. Come on. If you... are, she promises that you won't die without the sacraments of the church. That means you'll die in sanctifying grace. That means you're on your way home. And exactly. if you get the apostolic pardon from a priest, you, there'll be no purgatory. Promise number seven is everything. Is. Number eight. Number eight. Those who are faithful in reciting the rosary shall have their life, uh, shall have during their life and at their death the light of God and the plenitude of His graces. At the at the moment of death, they shall participate in the merits of the saints in paradise. Well said. Number nine. Wow. Oh, yeah. All these are home runs. I Number nine. I shall deliver from purgatory those who have been devoted to the rosary. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Sign me up. Go ahead, Jess. Ten. The faithful children of the rosary shall merit a high degree of glory yep. in heaven. And there are glories, degrees yeah. in heaven. Yeah. yeah everybody, heaven is not communism. Everybody's nope. not the nope. same in exactly, heaven. Exactly, Jess. People have different levels of rewards. The Bible usually calls them crown, your crown. So if you, you know, just for lack of, since we haven't been to heaven, everybody has a different crown, different diamonds, different size based on, 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 on the life that you live here on earth. It will be rewarded in heaven. You got it. Number 11, you shall obtain all you ask of me by the resuscitation of 
The rosary. Wow. Number Petition. 12. Yep. You want to convert your spouse? Exactly. <laughs> Number 11. Yep. Right. It's right there. You shall obtain all of you asking me by recitation of the rosary. 12. All those who propagate the Holy Rosary shall be aided by me in their necessities. Do you got problems with your kids at home? You got problems with your marriage? You got problems at work? She will aid you in all your necessities. Number 13. I have obtained from my divine son that all the advocates of the rosary shall have for intercessories the entire celestial court during their life and at the hour of their death. That's another home run, Jess. Yeah, because the church does teach other saints, Sylvester Liguori, the Council of Trent, that demons yeah. will attack you as you're dying. That's Yep. So, how, how, I mean, can you imagine? Where's your have, defenders, have, yeah, man? It, Mary and the celestial court will be <laughs> there if you're a devotee of the rosary. Awesome. And like as Father Ripperger and many other extras say, when wherever Mary shows up, the demons flee immediately. Number 14. All who recite the rosary are my sons and brothers of my only son, Jesus Christ. Oh, number 15, devotion. This is a big one. This is a big one. I know. One. I love this one. Devotion to my rosary is a great sign of predestination. There you go, Jess. 15. What does predestination mean? It means you're on your way to heaven. Yep. Okay. That God has already ordained uh, that he knows the way you're going to live, comport your life. And you're on your way to heaven. That's what predestination means. And, and, what a promise, Terry. It is a great promise. And remember, we say this at the end of every show. We talk about our ladies' comment about souls going to hell because there's no one there to pray and make sacrifices. Think of the thousands of men and women dying in the Ukraine right now because of this war. Are we going to pray for them? I hope we will because our lady says that we can intercede for them just like she intercedes for us. This is called the communion of saints. Jesse, uh, thanks for picking those topics today. That really was mind-boggling, but I love what it you was. had. It was. No, it was. But the, the, the idea that Our Lady's Peace Plan is what we need today, we have to shout that from the rooftops, brother. Amen. Amen, All Terry. Right, brother, what, what state should we be living in, bro? Nothing's changed, Terry. State of grace. Don't right. live in a state of mortal sin. Uh, become holy or die trying. And as St. Peter says, flee this corrupt generation. You know, just every time I hear this, I continue to say that's about our faith. It's unchanging. You see, truth doesn't change. Jesse doesn't have his truth and I have my truth. We have truth. His name is Jesus Christ. And that's who we will proclaim in season and out. And thank you for letting us do this, our listeners, because without you, we couldn't proclaim the teachings of Christ through Virgin Most Powerful Radio. May God richly bless you. And don't forget, implement that peace plan from heaven.